Hello and welcome to the podcast of Vineyard Church here in Maryville, Tennessee. We post our Sunday messages here each week, as well as our conversations episodes, which include interviews, special announcements, and in-depth teaching. You can visit vineyardchurch.us to learn more about us or to access the audio archive. You can also subscribe to this podcast on Spotify, Apple, or Google Podcasts. And now, here's the episode. Everybody, thanks for taking the time to get the podcast. If you've been following along with our church, you know that for the last few weeks, we've been talking about building a trellis for spiritual growth. Um, That's a structure that will provide the support that we need in order to keep walking with Jesus, continue growing closer to Him uh, for the rest of our lives. Just like a a trellis in agriculture provides a structure for a grapevine to grow and thrive and bear lots of fruit, uh, we need our own our own spiritual trellis, our own structure upon which we can grow. And um, as we've seen, the materials that we use to build that trellis are the spiritual practices that we find throughout Scripture uh, and throughout church history. Now, um, we then want to build a trellis for ourselves. I want to be clear, a trellis is not built overnight. You don't just decide to put one of these things in place and, and, and just go full speed ahead with all these spiritual practices all at once. It'll become uh, completely overwhelming. Um, I've heard it said, I can't, I don't remember who I'm quoting right now, but if the enemy can't get you, um, can't keep you from doing something good, he'll try to get you to do everything all at once. Um, And we want to be careful not to do that in building a trellis. So what we're doing is we're taking um, this first year, 2024, this first year of trellis to just to build the structure, um, and which is to say we're going to intentionally um, take a taking a month for each. We're going to work these spiritual practices into our lives as as rhythms, so that they become habitual, so that we grow in these things, um, and the structure begins to form. Now, um, what that means is for each of these months, we're going to do some teaching on Sunday to to highlight these spiritual practices. The first one is Sabbath. We talked about that um, this past Sunday. And what's going to happen every time, as has happened this time, is I'm going to have a whole lot more that I want to say about these practices than will possibly fit into a sermon. And so uh, we're going to be using the podcast as we are now from time to time to do some additional teaching. On Sunday, I mentioned that we had a list of eight ideas that will help us frame up our practice of Sabbath keeping. And then in the sermon, I only covered uh, two. <laughs> so uh, what we're going to do now is uh, I'm going to go through all eight of them uh, here. And then uh, just so you know, we uh, in our sermon notes, uh, we have a link there where you can actually see a document that, that lists all eight of these things. Um, all eight of them, uh, because I'm a preacher and I can't help myself and because I'm desperate for you to remember it, they all start with the letter P. Uh, I know that's cheesy. I don't care. Um, so um, we're going to now go through all eight of these and uh, see if we can't get that first piece of material in place to build our spiritual trellis. So first on the list is prepare. Um, you'll, you'll find as you venture to keep the Sabbath holy that it takes preparation. Um, you'll have to do some work in advance to, to clear your schedule. 
Um, if, if you want to set aside this day for delight and rest the way God intends, then that means, man, you're going to have to knock out some chores early. You might have to do some meal planning. You're going to have to, I think I said this, clear your schedule. You're going to have to knock out those work emails ahead of time in order to kind of keep those demands at bay. Um, if you want to take a trip, maybe go hiking or something like that, you're going to have to plan that in advance. Um, if you do something I pretty strongly recommend, which is try to spend the day or as much of the day as possible without your phone, <laughs> the, the tyranny of our, our, our little pocket devices, um, if that's the case, then you, you're going to need a plan for what that's going to take. Um, uh, it takes some imagination. It takes some intentionality uh, to set that phone aside for even a number of hours, like I would encourage you guys to do. So um, this is just really practical, but I would encourage you set aside some time, do some preparation, plan carefully so that when you step into Sabbath, you're able to to do the things that you've set out to do. Uh, another way that you can prepare for Sabbath, and this is kind of more in our heart than it is on our calendar, um, is we have to just expel any form of legalism. Um, historically, people have grown really legalistic and heavy-handed around the idea of keeping a Sabbath. I want to remind you of what Jesus said, which is that this is a gift uh, from God for man. <laughs> um, not man for the Sabbath, but the Sabbath for man. This is a gift from God. This is a kindness of the Lord. Um, and so um, if we want it to be as fulfilling and as much of a gift as it can be, then we've got we've to expel this feeling that we have to do it perfectly. Um, if we think of it as a brand new pair of white shoes that you want to keep white no matter what, and that means, you know, you step in the mud one time and it's over. We need to let that idea go. This is more like putting a seed in the ground and letting something beautiful grow over time. So, um, you know, uh, manage your expectations. Know that um, choosing Sabbath rest for, rest for a day initially um, it can be really disorienting. Um, it's difficult to step out of um, uh, our norms where we are just controlled by the clock, by what I call the tyranny of time. Um, and for a lot of people, keeping a Sabbath, it kind of gets worse before it gets better. Um, but I want to encourage you, manage your expectations, embrace incremental steps. You're going to build these rhythms in your life um, slowly and incrementally. Um, so don't be legalistic. Um uh, the next thing you would do to prepare is to be intentional the other six days of the week uh, to really walk with Jesus. Of course, the vision of our church is walk with Jesus and, and, and love your neighbor. And of course, um, Sabbath is not an exception to that. Um, but I will say this, people people tend to think of Sabbath keeping as just this super quiet, sort of sullen day of reflection, a day of silence, reading, prayer, and just like that's not it. I mean, uh, what hopefully we'll learn together is that Sabbath first and foremost is a day of delight. Um, and so certainly it can include silence and prayer and reflection because those are really wonderful things. But the idea is, especially on Sabbath, that you do those things just as an overflow, not, not because, okay, it's Sabbath and so I have to be extra spiritual. Um, don't fall for the idea that keeping a Sabbath is about um, catching up on spiritual practices maybe that you missed from the week before. Um, instead, um, 
in the days leading up to Sabbath, as you keep your spiritual practices, it will prepare you to step into the delight of Sabbath. Um, and I want to highlight particularly the practice of silence. Um, a lot of people just sort of let the, the chaos and the hurry and just the cacophony of our days uh, rule days one through six, and then on that seventh day, the, the Sabbath day, then they'll make space for silence. Um, I would encourage you to, to flip that the other way around. Um, if days one to six are without times of silence and reflection, the fact is the need for thoughtfulness, for stillness, the need for you to process your emotions, your frustrations, uh, your questions with the Lord, those things are just going to pile up and pile up and pile up. And then come Sabbath, uh, whatever day you practice Sabbath, when that day comes along, you take a deep breath, you take um, you, you take some time for stillness, and then you just get bombarded uh, with all of those thoughts and feelings that you didn't process process and that you left unaddressed over the course of the week. And so um, the way that we prepare for, for example, silence to be fulfilling when we are keeping a Sabbath is for us to be intentional about um, practicing silence in the six days leading up to our Sabbath um, so that when Sabbath comes, um, we are not just bombarded with stuff we haven't dealt with. Instead, we're able to be still before the Lord and really hear from Him and receive from Him in a way that we couldn't otherwise. So um, this is really, again, this idea of, of preparing um, is just just intent just intensely practical. So think it through. Think it through carefully. Okay, if if these are the goals I want to accomplish with my Sabbath, or if these are the things I want to build into my life and grow into over time, then what what are the things I need to do in advance to make sure I'm I'm setting myself up well for that? Next on our list is pretend, and I'll just tell you personally, this is the one that has. I think, done the most to shape my understanding of what Sabbath can be, of what it's really intended uh, to be. Um, Sabbath is not just for rest. Uh, it is for delight. Um, as Dan Allender says in his amazing book, Sabbath, he says, Sabbath is the queen of all days, the day in which division, destitution, and death are put aside to celebrate our union with God, the abundance of his love, and the wild hope of the coming kingdom. It is a day of holy fiction, a day when the promise of God is fulfilled on a stage where we write the script and take the roles we most want to act for his glory. The idea is that on Sabbath, we pretend as if the coming kingdom has has already arrived. And of course, we can we can only get a foretaste or sort of an early installment of what that's going to look like. But the idea is that we would imagine what might a day on the new earth um, look like? How might a day there go? What would that include? What would it definitely not include? And as that picture pulls into focus, that's the target that we are shooting for. And of course, we're only going to take incremental steps in that direction, but we've got a lifetime of growth, a lifetime of Sabbath available to us. And the idea is like, let's see how far we can get one day a week to bringing a glimpse of the coming kingdom here um, as our reality on this earth. Um, I'm, I'm so... Um, I'm enchanted by this idea. Uh, the Hebrew word for rest is manuha. Um, 
And it does mean rest, but it also means sheer delight. Um, um, better is one day in the course of the Lord than a thousand elsewhere. Um, what does it look like to spend a day in the courts of the Lord? What does the sheer delight of Sabbath offer to you? And so um, with your uh, trellis community on your own, um, that's the goal. Imagine what this might be and then consider what it might take for you to live into that along the way. Number three on our list is play. Um, that might surprise you. Guys, Sabbath is for playing, <laughs> for having as much fun as possible. Um, people tend to grow up and kind of get boring and forget how to play and forget how to be silly and forget how to let go a little bit. And we've got to relearn how to do that. And I, I will admit, I've had to I've had to grow and change a lot in this, and I've got a long way to go. Like there's I had to be honest and go, man, there's a there's a real part of me that has forgotten how to play. Um, in, in Christianity, there's this idea of asceticism, which is basically says that, that we're willing to do whatever difficult thing we might need to do for the sake of God's glory. And that's right and good. Um, but I think too much of a, a leaning toward asceticism has kept us from, from dialing in, staying dialed into the, the simple reality that life with Jesus is joyous and it is fun and it's really, really good. And, um, uh, not every Sabbath is going to have, you know, silliness and games and jokes and um, and laughing till you cry, uh, but the very best Sabbaths will. Um, so related to number two, here for number three, consider what you enjoy most. What hobby do you do that you tend to get lost in? What activities lead you to the most possible joy? Who Who are the friends that you surround yourself with? who uh, allow you to let go, um, be in the moment, um, to laugh until it hurts. Um, and as you consider those things, you might go, you know what? I, I need a hobby. <laughs> I had to do that a number of years ago. I realized, man, I don't have a hobby. I need, I need something that I enjoy, that's a creative process that I can get lost in. Um, and I've also had to look back and, and realize, you know what, the, the idea of being a, a, an adult and a responsible of adult have, have led me to cut out more and more of the activities that bring me the most joy. And now I'm in the process of, hey man, let's bring those things back. Let's laugh more easily. Let's spend more time committed to play. And again, we tend to think of Sabbath as this sort of quiet, sullen day. I don't think that's right. It's a day of laughter, it's a day of joy, it's a day of celebration, it's a day to play. So as you are shaping your idea of, sab of Sabbath, uh, carefully consider what does it look like for me to spend um, serious time and effort toward just relaxing and enjoying myself? How do I work laughter and play into my Sabbath rhythm? Number four on our list is perceive. Let me read you another quote from Dan Allender's book, Sabbath. It says this, It's not enough to ask what beauty will you enter this day of Sabbath delight. Instead, we must ask, what beauty will you explore and get lost in during this day of celebration? What beauty will open your eyes to the questions God wants you to ponder in order to increase your awe and gratitude? The Sabbath is the day to experiment with beauty that teases your hunger to know more glory. Guys, Sabbath is a day to 
heighten our perception. It is a day to perceive, to increase our awareness of beauty that is all around us. Uh, beauty in the people that we love and the things that we enjoy, and beauty, I think, especially in God's creation. Um, this is just a day, if ever there is one, um, to be stunned and amazed by what God has done. God's glory is on display through his creation. Um, and, and look, I've, I've joked and, and said I'm an, I'm an avid indoorsman, and there there's really is some truth to that. Um, I, I'm, I'm not Mr. Nature by any means, but that being said, I, I can't imagine a Sabbath not spent just drinking in as deeply as possible the beauty of God's creation. Um, now I want to read you a few verses, Psalm chapter 19, 1 to 4. The heavens proclaim the glory of God. The skies display his craftsmanship. Day after day, they continue to speak. Night after night, they make him known. They speak without a sound or word. Their voice is never heard, yet their message has gone throughout the earth and their words to all the world. It's, I want to point out, he says, they, the beauty of creation speaks. It speaks without a sound, without a word. There's no voice that has to be heard, um, and yet um, their message is heard throughout the world. So what we want to do on Sabbath is take some time to perceive the beauty of God's creation. It's silent, but it must be heard. And so um, for lots of folks, that means a long walk. If you're a hiker, it's a great day to take a hike. It's a great day to sit on your porch and look at trees and... <laughs> Um, maybe take a drive. We're really blessed to be um, in the foothills of the Appalachian Mountains where beauty is so easy to find. There's lots of water to find as well. And I'm not saying every Sabbath you have to go on some sort of an excursion like that. But I think ideally you're looking to build that into your Sabbath rhythm as much as possible. Um, God's glory is on display through creation um, the heavens proclaim that glory. The skies display his craftsmanship, as we just read. And so if we're going to hear from the Lord, part of experiencing him uh, will be through creation. And, and Sabbath is just the ideal time to do that. Um, additionally, um, Sabbath is a day to enjoy art. Um, and I know that, you know, whatever the art is that you appreciate the most, um, maybe that's poetry or prose, maybe you're an adamant reader and and. Uh, like um, an avid reader, I should say, not adamant, um, and you want to spend lots of time reading, that's great. Maybe you love music. Well, enjoy music, great music on Sabbath. It brings you closer to the Lord. Um, and um, so it's it could be music, it could be painting, it could be sculpting, anything that you enjoy, and then participating in the arts, whatever that might be. Again, maybe that's that hobby that we talked about before. But let's lean into God's craftsmanship um, and then his creative beauty and then He, the fact that he's invited us as co-creators of that beauty. Um, and I think that's really ideal for us appreciating uh, the fullness of Sabbath. Man, I think we leave a lot on the table uh, when we don't lean into the beauty of creation on our Sabbaths. Fifth on our list is praise, and the truth is if we go through steps one through four, we will inevitably end up here at step five, which is praising our King. Um, if we're walking with Jesus throughout the week in preparation and we enter into Sabbath um, prepared to delight in the kingdom and to uh, pretend that we are living in that reality now, if we play and laugh and enjoy creation and beauty 
then it just it just paves the way for us to enter into genuine heartfelt praise and um, praise of God. Of course, we do that in everything. It's not just uh, through word and through song. Um, and in, in some way, we could think that really all of Sabbath is praise, and it is. Um, it's a celebration of what is good and the good that is coming. So um, a, a really nice afternoon nap, a really great meal, a long walk, all these things can be can be pure praise. But with that said, it really is good to set aside some time on our Sabbath um, just for focused celebration of what God has done in our lives. And that, of course, can take any shape that we find in Scripture. So yes, it means um, for most people, uh, Sabbath is on Sunday, and that's the day that they gather with their church family and worship, and that's great, and that that is part of our praise on Sabbath for sure. Um, we talked about silence, uh, but dancing and shouting and writing and, and just on and on. Um, we want to be intentional uh, to bring a practice of praise into our Sabbath rhythms. Um, there's such a great story I want to share with you. Uh, Belden Lane told the story, um, and and what happens? What happened was a a group of Bedouin leaders who um, were um, spent their entire lives in the desert. Uh, they were invited and brought to visit Paris. And when they were there, they saw all the beauty of that place and the incredible buildings and the Eiffel Tower and the amazing structures. And And uh, their response was essentially polite boredom. They just were not impressed. Uh, but as a part of that trip, they were also taken out to the countryside to look at a waterfall. And when they saw that waterfall, they were absolutely stunned, just blown away. And they were they were transfixed and when it was time to move on and go do the next thing um these these bedouin leaders who'd spent their lives in a desert um they did not want to move away from the waterfall and they um were insistent that they were seeing this incredible moment this spectacle and they assumed that it was fleeting that it was going to stop at any second and they said it would be dishonoring for us to walk away now um while this overflow is happening the thing is they could not imagine that this flow of water wasn't going to stop at any second and they couldn't they couldn't fathom the idea that that, that water had been flowing for thousands of years endlessly um, and so this is the sabbath idea of super abundance um, I, I love this concept um, on Sabbath days, through our praise, we acknowledge that we have been given a superabundance of God's grace, a superabundance of His mercy, of His delight. Sabbath days, we step into that. We appreciate the fullness of that. And so it is, it is time um, that we set aside um, to, to see the superabundance, the, the, the never-ending flow of God's love and mercy and in praise um, express our gratitude. Number six on our list is pause. And uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Dan Buettner's book, Blue Zones, but it's a book where he um, takes a look at the areas around the world where people tend to live much longer than in other places. And mostly it's in the Nordic areas. But there was one area in the United States that qualified as a blue zone. It was in California, and it was in a community of Seventh-day Adventists. 
And on average, uh, people who lived in that community um, lived about 12 years longer than the people who lived around them or about one-seventh longer. And what can't be proven but is sort of being implied is that in taking a day off, in taking a pause for a to keep a Sabbath, which Seventh-day Adventists are very uh, careful to do, um, that they were literally adding that day to the end of their lives, that um, that extra 12 years or one-seventh of a life, um, the idea being that you take that Sabbath day and it's a day that's given back to you, it's extended to your life, you're in some sense redeeming that time. Now, um, that of course can't be proven, um, it's an interesting idea, um, but I think it does at least hint toward the power of having a day that we set aside to hit pause and catch our breaths. Um, uh, on Sunday, I talked uh, quite a bit about Kronos, and in Greek mythology, Kronos is is the titan of time. And you may remember that this is where we get words like chronic and um, chronological, etc. And uh, Kronos is Father Time. He's he's the god of the clock. And uh, what is so um, just devastating about Kronos and the the ruthless, merciless reign of Kronos is the inevitable march of time. And you, we, we spend many of our lives essentially running, hoping not to be caught up to by Kronos, the march of time which will swallow us whole. And we see that in the story as Kronos, this is gross, but he, he literally ate his own children. He will relent to no one. And um, what that story, and it's just, it's just mythology, but it, what it's pointing to is this sort of horrible reign of terror that our clocks have over us. Our every hour is governed by the clock. And Sabbath is a rebellion against that mentality that says, you know what, actually, I can take a pause. I can be still and not be overrun by time. Uh, the Greeks, as we said on Sunday as well, also have the idea of Kairos, which is um, another Greek god, and that was um, the god of sacred time or of quality time. And and this is time that's not measured, uh, but time that's savored, time that we enter into. Um, the time that we enjoy. This is not the type of time that we run away from, um, uh, you know, lest we be destroyed. Um, if you lose track of time uh, when you're living under the tyranny of Kronos, uh, as we all are throughout the week, um, then you just get eaten. You get swallowed up. Um, but if you're in Kairos time, quality time, sacred time, um, and you lose track of time, that means you actually enter into times of deep reflection, you enter into a flow state, you enter into things that are really healing and good for your soul. And so on Sabbath, um, it, we, we, we venture to step into Kairos time, which is kingdom time. It's the time of the new heaven and the new earth. Um, and as we grow in our Sabbath rhythms, as we incrementally build this practice into our lives, we're gonna find ourselves better able to lose track of time. Um, in the best possible way and enter flow states of delight and, and worship and uh, creativity. And as we talk about every Sunday, um, to enter into Selah, a sacred pause where we can be still and in those moments hear from the Lord and receive from Him. 
Um, on, on Sabbath days, holding still and pausing is rewarded. Rest and delight is the goal. The other six days of the week, man, the clock runs us. It manages. It controls. Uh, it rules ruthlessly. Um, not on Sabbath day. Um, so we want to be intentional um, to, to, to rebel against the reign of Kronos on our Sabbath days and, and take time to genuinely pause and be still before the Lord. Okay, so marching right along here, seventh on our list is partner. And uh, what I want to highlight here is that even though Sabbath keeping is typically seen as something that we do in isolation, something that we do alone, if we picture keeping a Sabbath, there's a good chance that we picture doing it all by ourselves. Um, (laughs) I don't think that's correct. Um, Sabbath can certainly include times of solitude. It certainly should. You may have entire Sabbath spent in solitude. That's, That's fine. But Sabbath itself is deeply and profoundly communal in its practice. Um, I said when we picture keeping a Sabbath, we there's a good chance we picture ourselves alone in that. But if we picture a new heaven and a new earth living in under the restoration of all things, what we picture, I would think, is um, delighting in our friends and our relationships and our family and the people we love the most, the people that we care about the most, and being surrounded by those people, feasting with those people. Um, This is where your trellis community, if you're in one, is going to be really important. Um, You may practice a a good portion of your Sabbath all by yourself, but um, you imagine together what a Sabbath would include um, in your trellis community or or with a friend. Um, Tell them what you're shooting for. Tell people you love, who you trust, who love you, who will help hold you accountable and just kind of lovingly encourage you in the process. Um, what it is you're trying to accomplish with Sabbath. Um, tell them where you're winning and losing in the pursuit. Um, tell them the incremental goals that you're setting. Um, and then I'll add this. Um, ideally, uh, this is central to a whole lot of, of Sabbaths, uh, is a celebratory feast with our friends. Um, and this is direct from Scripture. So... Um, A communal meal is one of the clearest pictures we are given of God's coming kingdom. And so uh, we see that. I'm going to read you a few verses from Isaiah chapter 25, verses 6 through 9. In Jerusalem, the Lord of heaven's armies will spread a wonderful feast for all the people of the world. It will be a delicious banquet with clear, well-aged wine and choice meat. There he will remove the gloom or the cloud of gloom, the shadow of death that hangs over the earth. He will swallow up death forever. The sovereign Lord will wipe away all tears. He will remove forever all insults and mockery against his land and peoples. The Lord has spoken. In that day, the Lord will proclaim, the people will proclaim, this is our God. We trusted in him and he saved us. This is the Lord in whom we trusted. Let us rejoice in the salvation he brings. And so in the book of Isaiah, we're given a picture of a new heaven and earth where we are gathered around a feast with all the people of the world. And so um, if we are in Sabbath leaning into the coming kingdom, uh, then that means uh, we're leaning into the idea of feasting with our friends. Um, And so uh, don't get caught in the idea 
um, that Sabbath has to be practiced in isolation. I think that's a distortion. Instead, look around, say, who do I love? Who do I delight to be with? And how can I bring them into my Sabbath rhythms? Okay, last one on our list of eight. This is proclaim, and specifically proclaim freedom or proclaim justice, proclaim equality. Um, This might be the most surprising of the eight for you, Um, but justice and equality and freedom, these are essential elements of Sabbath joy. Um, Sabbath keeping is part and parcel with doing justice. And uh, again, I'm really grateful to Dan Allender and his thoughts um, in his book about this because um, this is something I've never heard heard taught along the way or read about before, but it, it's so clearly demonstrated in Scripture. Here's what I mean. Um, uh, Sabbath keeping, of course, is one of the Ten Commandments. It's the fourth of the Ten Commandments, and typically when we read that list, we read from the list that we find in the book of Exodus. Uh, What you may not even know is that there's uh, another listing, the same Ten Commandments, but worded just a bit differently, um, that is in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 5. Um, and, and I want to read, it's a few verses here, but uh, Deuteronomy 5, 12 to 15. And I want, to, I want you to notice along the way um, the ideas that are being highlighted. Uh, verse 12, observe the Sabbath by keeping it holy as the Lord your God has commanded you. You have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. So that part should sound familiar, but moving on. On that day, no one in your household may do any work. This includes you, your sons and daughters, your male and female servants, your oxen and donkeys and other livestock, and any foreigners living among you. All your male and female servants must rest as you do. Verse 15, remember that you were once slaves in Egypt, but the Lord your God brought you out with his strong hand and powerful arm. This is what the Lord your God has commanded you to do on uh, for rest on the Sabbath day. So the command is not just for you to rest and experience delight on Sabbath, but for you to be intentional that rest and delight is offered to everyone in your family, anyone who you may employ, you work, uh, you who may work for you. It even says your livestock. The fact is, Sabbath is supposed to be for everybody. And this is one of the ideals that we need to pursue. And what you see in the text is that um, he, he takes this idea and embeds it uh, within Israel's history of being enslaved to themselves. He's like, once you were enslaved, remember this. And now remember that Sabbath is not just for you, but it's for everyone. Um, we said that Sabbath is a foretaste of God's coming kingdom. If that's the case, there is absolutely no place then for oppression or injustice because when God renews all things, there will be equality. Um, and and we want to bring that reality wherever we go and whenever or however possible. Um, and then there's more to this as well. Um, you've heard, we've been talking about Sabbath. What we haven't talked about so far is the idea of the Sabbath year or, uh, and then um, incrementally after seven Sabbath years, the year of Jubilee. Let me read you a few verses, Leviticus 28, 8, 9, and 10. In addition, you must count off seven Sabbath years. So we have Sabbath days, but now we're talking about Sabbath years. And then seven sets of seven years, adding up to 49 years in all. Then on the Day of Atonement, in the 50th year, 
Blow the ram's horn loud and long throughout the land, and set apart this year as set it apart as holy, a time to proclaim freedom throughout the land for all who live there. It will be a jubilee year for you, when each of you may return to the land that belonged to your ancestors and return to your own clan. So that you may not have followed that, but the thing is. As an extension of Sabbath values, we have the Sabbath year, and as an extension of the Sabbath year, we have the year of Jubilee, and during the year of Jubilee, um, no matter how much land someone had accumulated over time, uh, everything was essentially reset so that the families and clans who were um, given land in the first place when uh, the people of Israel first entered the promised land, it goes back to that. And so basically what that means is there is a forced equality. Um, there is, um, you, you get pushed into this reality where the social and the economic ground is once again level. And that's important because the ground is level at the foot of the cross, and we're talking about leaning into the coming kingdom of God, where for sure the ground will be level. Um, and I want to read uh, one more uh, one more text here. This is Isaiah 56, 1 and 2. And once again, we see the idea of Sabbath being connected directly to the idea of doing justice. So here we go. This is Isaiah 56, 1 and 2. This is what the Lord says, be just and fair to all. Do what is right and good, for I'm coming soon to rescue you and to display my righteousness among you. Blessed are those who are careful to do this. So there's a very clear, and that's midway through verse 2 now, very clear message of of justice, of fairness, of equality. And then he adds, it's the very next sentence, Blessed are those who honor my Sabbath days of rest and keep themselves from doing wrong. That's the end of the verse. And so clearly he is connecting the idea of Sabbath keeping with the idea of doing wrong justice, of caring for those uh, who are overlooked, who are marginalized. Uh, We said earlier that uh, we prepare for the Sabbath by walking with Jesus the other six days of the week. Um, We also prepare for the Sabbath by loving our neighbor the other six days of the week, by being people um, who enact justice and seek freedom for the oppressed. Um, We talked about the Sabbath being a day to delight in our super abundance. Um, and if we delight on Sabbath and our super abundance, then that means um, we will in turn realize that our super abundance means that we are free to share with anyone who is in need. That scarcity mindset is gone and we are able to give freely. If a Sabbath day is when we pretend to live in the fullness of the kingdom, then surely is it is a day to celebrate the diversity and the equality and the freedom of that coming kingdom, and then to offer mercy and healing and hospitality. Jesus did that on the Sabbath. People were upset with Jesus because he he did hospitality and he did mercy and he did healing on the Sabbath day, and they thought that was a violation of the Sabbath. And he said, "No, you've you've missed the point altogether. This is the heart." of the Sabbath. And so what I want to encourage you to do um, is with your trellis community or on your own, however you're working out building this trellis, uh, think about how you can love your neighbor well on days one to six. Think about how you can be um, an agent of of justice and reconciliation, um, how you can lean into people who may be in need or on the fringe or marginalized. and then how you can make your Sabbath then um, a jubilee, uh, a day that um, the ground is level 
where everybody's welcome around the table. Um, I know this is sort of vague, like what does this look like? But as you, uh, we've been talking about this uh, a few weeks back as well. Like we look around and see where the need is for justice and equality and freedom. And then we say, what do I have to do? Uh, What do I have that I can bring into this uh, to be part of the solution? And so as you do that days one and six, I think you can... um, experience the joy of um, Sabbath Jubilee on your Sabbath day because you'll have those relationships, you'll have those friendships, you'll have those connections. Perhaps people you have been loving and caring for um, as an act of justice will come and sit around your table as an act of equality and welcome. So um, I know that idea is a bit abstract, Um, But it's incredibly important and deeply embedded in the idea of Sabbath throughout Scripture. Okay, folks, so that is the eight P's of Sabbath. I know that it is a lot. If you want to lean in more, learn more uh, about this, um, I've already mentioned uh, Dan Allender's book called Sabbath. That would be my first and highest recommendation. Uh, Mark Buchanan wrote a great book called The Rest of God. Um, anything uh, Rabbi Abraham Heschel has written um, is is just brilliant and profound. Of course, John Mark Comer's written about Sabbath. Um, his book, uh, uh, The Relentless Elimination, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, um, will lean into these ideas as well. There's a lot of great resources out there. But I just want to encourage you, um, take it one step at a time. Again, um, expel legalism. Uh, Perfect is the enemy of good here. So uh, one step at a time. We're going to work on building these rhythms uh, over, again, over a lifetime. And uh, as we do, we'll find them more and more fulfilling. Thanks for getting the podcast, guys. I love you so much. um, And we'll see you next time.